0: Jay Guru, everyone.
1: Jay Guru. Guru. And welcome to our next episode of the podcast Awake the Life of Yogananda. We have reached minute number 77, and I'm here with the usual crowd. Hello, Priya. Hello, Chris. How are you guys doing?
0: Bonjour. Fantastic.
1: Bon or oh, Bonjour. What was that? Ciao. Well. Oh, Without the O. Oh, bonjour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you learned French. I, uh... and-
2: I've been in Italy now for two months and I'm ashamed to say, I can pretty much just say ciao and arrivederci, and per favore.
1: Get, you, <laughs> get, get your get manner,
2: manners right, get your manners yeah. right. That's as long as you know for.
1: what all the food is called on the menu, you're fine. Yeah,
2: margarita, that's all you need to know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout Excellent. out to margarita. Margarita. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. number
0: one fan. <laughs> Hello, margarita. <Yeah. laughs> Hello. Thank you for your continued comments. Uh, inspired yes and and inspiring very much so received so minute 77
1: is um very much like we have like dramatic music in the background because if you remember where we left off we left off at the Biltmore hotel and there's a large gathering and yogananda has made some comments that he will leave the, his body soon, and the day has come, and we kind of go into that scene now, and it is it is a bit dramatic. Um, uh, the, I think the most common um, witness account of the day is by Sri Dayamata. That's the one we often heard, and I feel like the best way to get us into it is to read an excerpt from her book, um, uh, finding the joy within you, and let's start with that. do you want to start reading?
0: Sure. There was a large audience, which included city, state, and government of India officials. I was sitting some distance from the speaker's table, but my mind and gaze never left the blessed Guru's face. Finally, the time came for him to speak. Guru Deva was the last to do so before Ambassador Sen was to address a gathering as guruji rose from his chair my heart skipped a beat and i thought oh this is the moment
1: wow so she had a premonition and yeah i'm guessing i wonder if ambassador sen was actually speaking afterwards or not we don't
0: oh, you know you mean if whether he actually did speak yeah that would be interesting <laughs> yeah i doubt he would have yeah
2: yeah. Well, I guess she, she, she would have known that it, it was coming because he, he did say to her that it was a matter of ours, right? It was yeah. a matter of time. So Well, that's, that's why so she
0: said, oh, that, so much this is it. that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. But, yeah.
2: but le- less so a premonition than he simply told her. <laughs> to <do. laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but she did, she did say that she didn't want to accept it as truth, right?
2: Mm. Uh, at the time, she said.
1: Chris, do you, do you want to continue reading? Absolutely, yeah.
2: When he began speaking with such love for God. The whole audience was like one person, no one stirred. They were transfixed by the tremendous force of love that he was pouring from his heart upon all of them. Many lives were changed that night, including some who later entered the ashram as monastics, and many others who became members of the society because of that divine experience. His last words were of India. Where of the India he loves so much, where Ganges' woods, Himalayan caves, and men drink God, I am hallowed. My body touched that sod. And he, as as he uttered these words, he lifted his eyes to the Katashtha center, and his body slumped to the floor. In an instant, our feet seemed not to touch the ground. Two of us disciples were by his side.
1: Wow. Wow. Priyam?
0: The recital of this section, Guruji obviously actually says it. He's speaking in this minute. And the recital of this section of the poem, he says it really in a rushed, dramatic kind of tone. And Mm. it works very well because the scene also has like a boy running around in the Himalayas, (laughs) Himalayan peaks. And uh, that's the boy actor that we have spoken about in the past. But yeah, just hearing Guruji read his own poetry has a special feel. And one wonders how he would have recited it on that day. Mm -hmm. Because here in this rendition, it's very rushed, you know, very rushed and quick and short reading, really. But yeah, Mm. I also found it interesting that... um, he lifted his eyes to the Kadashta center. Um, mm-hmm. I think they said, he said in the autobiography of a yogi, I think Lahiri Mahashai may have done that before he entered his Mahasamadhi when he turned thrice and then sat in the lotus posture and uh, exited. Um, and interestingly, our feet seemed not to touch the ground. Two of us disciples were by his side. Now there's there's a couple of interpretations of that. It's a shame we don't have what it actually means, uh, but maybe you guys can say. So our feet, our feet, seems not to touch the ground. <clears throat> does that did that mean that they were rushing to Guruji to get to his side, or does it mean that as Guruji left, you know, as as he raised his eyes, uh, they kind of had that feeling where they were floating, kind of feeling, Chris
2: my interpretation is the latter latter really whenever you have a significant moment in life you ha- almost have that out of body experience where you're maybe not quite as connected with the, the senses of the body as much um and time maybe travels in a different way as well so the recollection of of those moments might uh, in your memory be be quite different to other moments um, of normality that you might have so my interpretation is that uh, the 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 latter you um, you kind of walk light footed in very significant moments
1: of your life. I think so too. I think she was talking about him speaking with this um, lot pouring from him, and this whole area might have been like a a very like like might, might have had a very elevated vibration. And I feel like everyone was a kind of drawn—I don't know—in higher states at this point, point. and maybe that's why they didn't feel the feet under the ground anymore. Mm.
2: Uh, what I, what I liked we, about this yeah. interpretation, mm-hmm. um, just a comment here, is uh, the the yeah the eyes went to the catastrophe center. That isn't actually mm. that's left out in the in the uh, documentary, right? I don't recall that being mentioned. Mm. anywhere and for us you know as as aspiring yogis uh that's that's really significant you know that really means something but to the lay person probably wouldn't really mean to so much the christians when they pray they they look to god he's in heaven so they you know they look up but they still do that Mm. that 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 motion as well they still look up to the christ center whether they know what they're doing or not um so i thought that that's maybe missing an opportunity in the documentary, to you know, to include mm-hmm. that um, point in there because it really does pull this together in this moment um, of his. Although, d-
0: although the the documentary deliberately kind of left out a lot of like secular words, um, like mm-hmm. mahasamadhi. um well did they say, mahasamadhi? They said, um, they said he left. You know, he, he collapsed to the floor, for example. And um mm-hmm. in this minute, I think uh, uh Masvidal said, might have said Mahasamadhi, and he, he explains Mahasamadhi later, Masvidal does. But mm-hmm. in 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 the whole film, really, they try and use words that are like um not so technical. Um so Kutashta is obviously a very technical, technical word, isn't it? And they'd have to then explain what kutashta means because like effectively this um this film was for newcomers or you know a lot Mm. of it was meant for to attract new people to guruji and they they wanted to make keep it as simple as possible Mm. um and at work we have that we have some an acronym called kiss k-i-s-s keep it simple stupid (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) yeah quite possibly maybe yeah, I wonder, you know, if anybody knows more about the editing of this, if they actually had that in there and decided, yeah, let's let's keep it simple, stupid, or
0: mm. <laughs> or, yeah, or not. It his brother Chidamanda that said, yeah, yeah he, mm. could, he collapsed to the floor. Mm. In yeah, in this minute, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think Priyank is right that they tried to appeal to the broadest possible audience, and that's why they don't mention any fancy terms in the film, but. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to um, have that in there. Like the looking at looking at the spiritual eye is like a very basic mudra, right? That's part of every meditation, um, mm. as they are taught by Yogananda. Um, but they chose not to put that in there. Um, I
2: debatable. But- what do the audience think? Better to have it or should we hold a poll? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vote, vote, place your place your votes.
1: Don't really have mm. an opinion. Um, yeah. I'm going to uh, read the last bit of this. Um, thinking that he might have gone into Samadhi, we softly chanted Om in his right ear. Over the years, he had told us when he went into ecstasy, if after some time his consciousness did not return, we could bring him out of that state by chanting Om in his right ear. As I was chanting, a miraculous experience took place. I do not know how to describe it to you, but as I knelt over my blessed guru, I could see that his soul was leaving the body, and then a tremendous force entered my being. I say tremendous because it was an overwhelming, blissful force of love, peace, and understanding. I remember thinking, what is this? My consciousness was lifted up in such a way that I could feel no sorrow. I could shed no tears. And it has been so um, it has been so from that day to this, because I know beyond any doubt that he's truly with me.
0: really, really powerful, isn't it? I am um, yeah. you know when when she recites <clears throat> it's really nice Mike that you found this whole section that she said because <clears throat> in the minute she only says um, as I kneeled over his body tremendous force entered this body and with the message to my soul this time you cannot call him back so this is like Mike just read out basically the fuller description of that which is I think really important for us devotees um, because as we know there's, there's much more to it as as Mike just read out and more, most importantly, I think this kind of answers our previous question about, you know, our feet seem not to touch the ground, because she said when she said tremendous, she really meant, you know, tremendous. And when she recited that word um, in this in this minute, when she said like a tremendous force entered this body, you kind of you could feel it. Even I mean, you could feel it from just the video that how how tremendous it was and you can you kind of you kind of have a feeling of maybe just like a fraction of what it would have felt like because she said it she says it so beautifully and with such you know such depth of feeling and emotion which is pretty probably she's probably the mo- most unique i think out of all of our ministers um and specifically direct disciples in being able to evoke that feeling of trying of like putting us right at you know, at the feet of of Master and the experiences she's she's having. Mm-hmm.
2: Just to add to that as well, she she said in in the documentary, "This body," she yeah. said, "Tremendous force entered mm. this body," and she you could tell the the awareness that she had when she said it yeah. as well, yeah, which was really I thought was really humble. You know, she she's separating her her ego from. Mm what's actually going on
0: could uh, could you mention that chris because i was actually going to mention that but i i like had a blank thought like, yeah, I thing i need to mention yeah. something and you finished it um I, I, yeah we finished I, it we're in good synchronicity yeah. there but yeah i think it's not just um humbleness as well cuz um you know i think when, in in the recent convocation one of the talks was uh, the healing one um that one of the monks did he he, he said like never say you know, I am sick or I am unwell. Mm-hmm. Say this body mm-hmm. is sick or this body is unwell. Mm-hmm. And Daya Mata is literally practicing it to yeah. <laughs> the most beautiful degree um, when she mm-hmm. says, tremendous force, force entered this body. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you're right. On one hand, it shows her elevation, but she's doing it in such a humble way. But actually, that's such a profound truth that we, we need to learn from that lie. Um, and mm-hmm. we can, obviously, this is the, the, probably the best example that we can have, you know, my Guruji taking my samadhi. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, meditate
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: on um, that. One other point that I find interesting here is that she says, because I know beyond any doubt, he's truly with me. And that is important because I feel like a lot of people, they hesitate to follow a guru that is no longer in the body um, and we talked about we had some examples in that we talked about in in other uh, episodes. Um, and the, the, the realness the, the kind of feeling that he is not in his body, but he is with me even more than he was before and that is important because that's kind of like for us who come two generations later. For us it's the same as it can be the same as it it was for her it can be we can create this real relationship with our guru he's not in the body but he is there and the more we kind of um, devote our lives to him the more we will feel this and i i think that's also a reason why she mentioned this here that because it must have been for a lot of the people who were following yogananda at that time um, she said a lot of the people who were present, they became one six later or started following the path. But I'm guessing there must have also people who left because they thought, oh, he died and now he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it is how we think, how how we think naturally, right? So to overcome this, this barrier. Brian.
0: Um, yeah, it's a significant, um hindrance to our spiritual path isn't it needing or feeling that we need a physical guru um in in that's living and not only living that we can actually go see and spend time with and he can give us direct instruction as if god doesn't do that in every single walk of our life and every single leaf that blows in our direction um telling us which way we need to go if only we would look <laughs> a bit deeper and think a bit more profoundly uh, but obviously that's quite hard and that's why the emphasis is so much on developing intuition um because Guruji can where well, he does do so much that we are unaware of but we have to become more and more aware of it so we can seek his guidance um and make it make it the core like supporter in the decisions that we have to make in our lives but yeah mike um yeah totally agree um that that line about um because i knew beyond that that he is truly with me is a very poignant and powerful one and she must have said this um it's the interview where this is recorded it must have been quite late in her years so she's kind of remembering this maybe what 40 years on <laughs> and it's like it feels mm. like it feels like she's she's saying it and it was yesterday doesn't it mm. and that That must be exactly how she remember or holds that experience. It probably is one of the most significant moments for her. With not in just in her life, but obviously we know she spent so much time. She was blessed to spend so much time with, in physically with the guru. So interesting parallel that um, potentially her most significant moment was when Guruji had left the body, and
1: she yeah. Definitely true. I think that's definitely one of the defining moments, um, of his, uh, obviously of his life, of her life and of the whole organization as well. I feel like that was one of the powerful things. And I feel like that's also why we commemorate it. Right. That's why March 7th is like one of our, I would say main SRF holidays.
0: Right. Guruji's uh, Mahasamadhi commemoration services. How many yeah. have we attended? I think Mike, you're probably winning. of us three <laughs> mm. in the number that we have each attended? Mm. Are you probably I, me old? <laughs> uh, <laughs> experienced, but yeah, this um, <laughs> this uh, this point about uh, Guruji's, you know, promise to us and what he's left for exactly. us. I think mm-hmm. we'll discuss a bit later in this episode. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more to discuss in this respect, especially what with, with what Day Mata said. But we can probably mm-hmm. move on. Yeah.
1: Um, while we're at March 7th, um, um, we are an apolitical podcast, but we do appreciate that um in 2017 India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has paid a special uh tribute to Paramahansa Yogananda and the government released a postage stamp celebrating 100 years of YSS in India and the day they chose to celebrate it was March 7 um, which is the Mahasamadhi day which I found beautiful and uh, the Prime Minister also came to YSS I think I believe it was in Ranchi where he went. And um, unveiled the postage stamp and also gave an inspiring speech about spirituality and the role of Yogananda, a child of India who spent most of his life outside of India, but is still very much revered in India.
0: Yeah. Speak for yourself when you say apolitical. My political allegiance, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> Plain as day. <laughs> no. Um, this um, this one hundred year stamp. Uh, one of the devotees at the London Center, she bought like a hundred of them, and mm-hmm. she gave it. She mm. gave it to each each of us volunteers as a gift, which was uh, pretty nice. So I still nice. got mine. I used to keep it in my um, in my wallet. Uh, I laminated it and I used to keep it in my wallet. But now, uh, as you know, I've got a mini uh, little altar of the gurus in my wallet. So that uh, that stamp is sitting in my drawer right now. Um, but yeah, it's quite, it's quite a really lovely tribute, isn't it, to Guruji? Amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I find that, um, I mean, India is such a massive country, 1.4 billion people. And you are the head of... The government of the country I, I feel it's very meaningful very
0: moving yeah and it shows you how little like you say what you will about how you know how right-wing bjp and they in the more the years but the fact that
1: um i think our our apoliticalness is going out the window
0: now but um, uh, <laughs> yeah. well that's why i, I, I did warn <laughs> you but uh the fact that which is interesting because i'm very left-wing in my outlook but mm-hmm. <laughs> with Mordi for some reason anyway let me say let me finish what I was going to say with um with the it's interesting because you know in the last episode we talked about International Yoga Day and mm-hmm. um also his
1: initiative yeah, yeah.
0: His initiative. and this is yeah. uh, you know yoga is a the secular thing is not particularly belonging to re- hinduism right and <laughs> nowadays yoga is practiced without any reference to religion whatsoever in in gym studios mm. around the world and homes around the world so and mordi as, as we know mordi started kicked this off as a hindu but he's actually celebrating the fact that look at the difference this civilization has made to the world and similarly yogananda you'd You'd struggle to put him in the bracket of a conventional Hindu teacher, mm. right? because he embraces so much of other religions and his universal appeal would certainly offend a lot of uh, conservative Hindus. but um the you know, the liberal amongst us know how important his message was to the world and and to religions and to humanity and this this stamp, you know that side of it, is, this is what this is what that stamp celebrates and if it was if it was uh you know national congress in power which they have been in the in india um for for many decades they wouldn't have um commemorated this stamp and they wouldn't have they've they certainly wouldn't have done it because they were everything oh no you we were a secular nation you know we can't uh, promote one ideology over another but you're missing such a glorious glorious impact and the fact that yogananda was you know such a he would have been such a good union person for christians and hindus in india if so like mm. they could have they could have embraced this right but you just can't see them uh doing it uh this this podcast is getting a bit political right now so perhaps we shouldn't <laughs> we shouldn't uh, <laughs> enter this too much into this conversation
2: <laughs> yeah so muddy 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 waters um, <laughs> But Yogananda was certainly not one to uh, mince his words when it came to some very sharp uh, topics. So um, mm. it's it's healthy to express yourself, right, with no risk of persecution.
0: <laughs> the, the YouTube um, views. yeah. I hope I was uh, moderation had a bit of moderation in my. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day,
1: um, isn't it Krishna who said, "Like at at the end, you will know." Um, the the good right action from the wrong action by the fruits um and Mm i i feel like like when i see um this postage stamp i'm going like yay that's (laughs) i i i approve that (laughs) but um i don't like politics is always difficult especially in these days where everybody is polarized and so yeah, yeah let's not get into that too much let's go to another um thing about Guruji's Mahasamadhi, which I, who goes to Lakshan often, um, find very interesting. I, I have the privilege to sometimes um, uh, volunteer at the Windmill Chapel. And at the Windmill Chapel, there is a plaque or it's like a little sign with a picture of Guruji and some of his disciples. And they say this was this picture was taken uh, on March 6th, um, the day before his Mahasamadhi. Um, and so they call it the last supper similar to jesus last supper and um there's also a piano there in the windmill chapel and apparently he had played at the time in that um windmill chapel
0: that's the one mm-hmm. <laughs> ah yes. you got it so i've got for listeners i'm holding like a two two tier uh, it's a picture of guruji playing and uh, guruji playing a um Playing a, I think it's a organ actually, a two-tier organ, uh, with mm-hmm. with feet with feet um, things as well, whatever they're called. <laughs> so and it is covers, quite a complex. Yeah. yeah, they're quite a complex uh, instrument. So yeah, it's um, uh, this one I keep next to my harmonium to uh, help me be inspired when I'm learning mm-hmm. different chants, as Guruji would yeah. have done.
1: Yeah, that's a a fantastic scene to imagine. I'm just going to read an account of one of the monks there. He said, Matthew sat before the organ and played several of his chants and other Indian music. Our hearts were filled with rapture. A real devotee of God was singing to the Divine Mother, and we felt his love and devotion and the bliss flowing from his hallowed temple. His eyes were radiant with joy. And I feel like that goes, that's kind of, um, goes hand in hand with what Naama said the day after. I feel like the, the last few days in his body, he was probably already preparing. Um, and his state was very, very elevated. And his joy was radiating out to everybody. And everybody who got to see him in those last few days probably got a tremendous amount of blessings.
0: Yeah, and he, was, he, yeah, and he was apparently chanted, uh, light the lamp of thy love for more than an hour. And that's the um, quote I've put on the picture. Yeah, I haven't, um, on my picture of the harmonium, yeah, I haven't yet learned that chant. Feels like, uh, it just feels like one of those ones that are too hard for me.
1: <laughs> it's one of the more difficult ones because you have to go up and down a lot.
0: Yeah. So my <laughs> vocal range probably A isn't good enough and let alone my, uh... it's interesting because when I learn these chants. Um, vocal range I... that has never stopped me from. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my wife has a strong opinion on this especially (laughs) because he has to bear bear my practicing but um (laughs) uh, i always i I, when i'm learning learning more complex chants even simple ones actually like they'll go perfectly um, at home when practicing and then i'll take the hour commute to the center and lead the service and something will go wrong (laughs) oh gosh how am Mm. i getting this wrong now been doing it for a week and there must be some you know ego thing in there. Could you remind me? Yeah, be sing with the uh, singing with a bit more humbleness in your. I Know that feeling, yeah. I in yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. Um.
1: Yeah. Nah. So chanting, um, a way to invoke um devotion, and I feel like that's what Yogananda was always um, emphasizing as well. The yoga plus devotion that magical formula mm-hmm. and yeah there was a lot of devotion in, in his last appearances mm. um they show a picture so basically the, the sequence is that the music gets a bit dramatic in the movie they show his picture and then you see um a sequence of pictures you see first um water um then you see a person running um like down a little alley running through a door right um and then you see um him running um across a field with um like himalayan mountains in the backdrop fantastic shot like so beautiful i don't know Mm. if i would know where this place is i would want to go there (laughs) right away and he had he has like a staff in his hand and he has long hair so i'm Kind of thinking of Guruji running there. Um and I was wondering what you guys made of that scene. And then they then they were reading that those last few words that he was saying, were Ganges, Woods, Himalayan caves, and men, dream god, I am hallowed, my body touched that thought. Was that him running through his life? Was that the kind of sequence mm-hmm. they were going for? Or... Yeah that's a good uh,
0: good interpretation actually mm-hmm. um that would would make sense for some reason when i um when i was watching that minute um and he was running through that through that um little alleyway i some reason thought of gashi uh, where where lahi mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you know where he uh, where he was you know where his home was and where his uh, ma masamadi is and you know we where we you know you're allowed to go there, and there's statues of him. And one of the doors that he runs past, it looks exactly. I thought it was maybe have been Lady Marsha's uh, house, but maybe not, because I think that's a, quite a for some reason. That's quite a popular picture, isn't it? People like to have just a picture of that doorway, Lady Marshae's doorway. Yeah. Um, it's quite popular on social media.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Chris?
2: My my impression of this was um, uh, similar to yours. Both, it it's this mass massive expansive bit of land, isn't it? With the mountains with snow on top. Um, he's running on sort of dry ar- arid arid kind of grassy land. Um, so you get this contrast. You know, you see the big sky, the big mountains. Um, so it's a really great shot but then it ends with him running towards the sun and that's the bit that i thought oh that's that's pretty cool because they they made it that way so he's running downwards but he's running head on into the sun and i thought that was beautiful for me going going to the light um so like that analogy that metaphor for me was came across pretty strong whether or not that's mm. something that they're trying to get across this thing or not i don't know
0: mm, yeah Similar to the um, sorry, Mike. Uh, similar to yeah. uh, maybe not a good comparison, but the, the film Gladiator, uh, in his last, mm. in, <laughs> when just before he leaves his body, he has that kind of spirit, that mystical experience, and then that, yeah. there's that really deep music. Uh, and then he kind of similarly kind of like elevates him, elevates his consciousness mm. into the light, and he sees his family and stuff. A similar sort of, yeah, feeling. Yeah, Obviously, that's what.
2: They got the inspiration from
0: the theater. <laughs> Why not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come
2: on. <laughs> Are you not entertained?
1: <laughs> yeah, they they kind of um go for this because they keep the dramatic music going in the background, right? Then, and then they close it out with showing the sun and then showing some plants or some palm trees before. So it fades out like that slowly. Find it's nicely done. One shot they sneak in in between is like um, a burning gut or something similar where you see a body burning. Um, Must must be in India somewhere. And I thought we could talk about this a little bit. Um, So, what I saw is that there seem to be burning guts um, all over India, but uh, um, the river Ganges is very, very famous for it. And I feel like a lot of people who don't live near the Ganges still want to be cremated by the Ganges in India. So the demand seems to be very high. And then Varanasi seems to be the center of the burning gut industry, if you want to call it that. And then in Varanasi, there's like two um, very famous guts. One is called Manikarnika, and the other one, sorry for butchering. The words and the other one is called um harish chandra and um they both seem to be um burning up to like 80 to 100 bodies uh per day which seems a lot like there's only 24 hours in the day so i feel like there must be every every 15 minutes that a body is going in
0: i'm i'm guessing um it's and, a streamline streamlined parallel process.
2: They've had plenty plenty of practice if, to get that
1: right. If, you, know. if, if you can do um, ceremonies in parallel, that's different. Yeah, then you can do more. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, um,
0: only men, um, only men tend to go to cremations. Um, don't okay. know, to, to go, don't know to, go do, to, to, oh, to witness. Yeah, cremations. Only only the men would go, the men as a household. I think um, yeah. i read somewhere <clears throat> that it's to do with um, women are more energetically, they're more susceptible to, to yeah. spirits yeah. and energy and stuff like that. So obviously in, in, in cremation grounds where someone has just left their body, the, the theory is that uh, in India you, you get cremated Pretty much on the same day. So, if you pass away in a few hours, you'd have your cremation, and they would obviously then go to the river, such as the Ganges, or a, a remote part of the village. Um, and yeah, so if if that's the case, then really the 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 theory is that the body, the soul hasn't actually it still it it's clings to what it's familiar with this is obviously a soul that isn't um isn't an elevated soul such as yogananda's so this is one uh, that isn't uh, enlightened shall we say it, it's 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 um kind of lingers with what's familiar so obviously the body is the most familiar thing and that is why we do the cremation like straight away and we put um white clothes on the body that's being cremated and not like things that mm-hmm. that Person would have been attached to or known, so it would make it as as a as quick and a, uh, uh-huh. as a spiritually beneficial process as possible for not just the departed, but also loved ones that uh, that are there. Because you know, you want to pay place the least emphasis on the body consciousness. Um, the memory obviously it uh, lives on but there should be no emotions about the body that's being vacated.
2: Mm-hmm. I find this subject um, entirely fascinating because it's one of the taboo subjects that we do not talk about, certainly in, in the UK, in Northern Ireland, where I was raised. Um, death. We don't talk about death. No, we, we all know death comes, and you know we experience death uh, throughout our lives, but we don't talk about it. Um and you don't talk about preparing for death all that much, um apart from those those adverts that you see on t v that run during the day um to <laughs> prepare for you know, paying for your funerals and things like this to help, help that um uh, but but we don't really talk about it, do we and so they won't they won't so... like
0: they won't like the chant, um death will be at thy door, and you may not have yeah. time anymore. am I saying to wake yeah to yeah. wake That's not a it's, chant for the Irish. <laughs> no, no,
2: they might be, they might
0: be offended, you <laughs> know.
2: Um But it, it's so fascinating, isn't it? Maybe you can
1: turn into a sea shanty. But... <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I'm not going to try anything since <laughs> that's what you're trying. Um, but I, I guess, do, do you think it's something related to the, the nature of the spirit in, in the physical form? Like how yoga portrays it and how entwined our spirits, uh, spiritual um, being is with the body? Um, because it's so much more um, of an educated take on it from in yoga that it is, you know, in, in the common west Western take. Um, and so, something that I've, I've read somewhere is that the toes, the big toes, should they be tied together, um, and that should stop like spirits from maybe entering the body or or things like that. And it's fascinating to me that these are practices that are part of tradition in India. This is something that you know we once knew and it's obviously lost and, and gone in, in, in the most part, but hopefully make it a uh it's been resurrected um from, from the ashes. Um uh and, and it's something that we just did not talk about, won't enter, entertain, but it's something that can really help uh help the soul uh to to go on. Um
1: yeah. That's super interesting. I feel like that's we talked about this in earlier episodes about the role of dogma in the dark ages, where you have knowledge from the higher ages and you just pass it on, um, even though it's not understood anymore in the Kali Yuga, and you just follow it anyways, keep the traditional life. I think St. Augustine um, talked a lot about this, about Christianity, because he was basically in the Kali Yuga. So he was like, dogma we don't understand a lot of it but it's still great because it kind of keeps the tradition going and there's a lot of hidden wisdom in it and it must be the same with what you just mentioned with tying the big toes together and things like that i'm sure there's some metaphysical background to it that we don't understand right now
0: yeah the metaphysical thing is that um tying the big toes together then closes your legs um and then you you kind of um in yoga you you know you and in energization actually, you know, you have you um you sometimes do like the stomach dilations, like you kind of clasp that area, you close the area, um, and you you're basically shutting the muladhara and the lower chakras, and you're you're holding a banda or a lock, as it were. And then with with our stomach dilations, you're actually moving that lock up and down, right? You're moving your stomach. But in this case, where where you tie the big toes together, that that's a kind of a permanent lock. So then, then you yeah, yeah you're trying to close off the body, as it were. And there's there's many mm-hmm. other things like you kind of face the face the body north. Uh, you um, you wash the body. Um, you you scatter the ashes straight away after the um, after the cremation. So there's all sorts of things, but none of this actually applies <clears throat> to a guru who is mm-hmm. taking samadhi because mm. to him there's no possibility of uh you know that that him unconsciously entering that body or you know all that anything anything crazy such as that um because he's, he's obviously in full control this is all for people that are not aware when they pass um, and which is obviously the majority of humanity. Um, so yeah and, and interestingly um, and we know obviously guruji was 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 buried um, and I was reading a biography about Lahiri Mahashaya um by Swami Satyananda you, who was uh, Yogananda's childhood friend and he was uh, saying that Lahiri Mahashaya I think you'll know that he had a, he was his body was cremated as with uh, you know fam- Hindu family rites but in the um in the book in the biography he actually told he knew he was going to leave his body and he as, as yogananda did he told some people that he was going to leave his body and said my body should be entered you know you should put it in a crypt in a vault and you should bury it um and this is where i want you to do it basically under, under his house i think it was and um and that would obviously then create a kind of a temple or a shrine, such as the one that we have for Lehi, for Sri Yukteswar and uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. But um, mm. because the family family was so influential, they they decided to not not take that advice, and they they, um, they cremated him. Mm. Wow, shocking! Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so then mm. we would have uh, would have been interesting because then we would have had three. Um, uh, three samadhi stands in our in our you know guru lineage one in one in uh, us one in north india and one in east india for Great. each of our beloved gurus what if, it would
1: have been too much god decided <laughs>
0: too much <laughs> yeah two i'll give you two out of three <laughs> humanity
1: yeah. still, still pretty good
0: yeah i would say yeah i can't wait awesome. to one day visit uh puri to yeah. go see your um, Deshwar's
1: ashram. Same. I would actually like to go there. Um, but let's see when it will happen. I would also like to see Guruji's body um, on display somewhere at a shrine. It doesn't even have to be on display, but maybe have, have like a, a shrine built for him. That would be nice. Let's see if that will happen in our lifetimes. Nice. So let's move on to um, the last days of um, Guruji. And the um, one thing that a lot of um, disciples felt as he was making comments that he would leave the body, that a lot of people were scared. And a lot of people felt like, what would they do without him? And I feel like this part will address this a little bit, like his um, kind of uh, role or the promise that he will always be with us. Uh, Priyank, do you want to start reading?
0: Yeah, so this is from uh, Dr. Lewis, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is his uh, experience of of the the those days, I suppose. Now I'll tell you one or two things about my own experience with him the last few days. Lately, He has been reminiscing about how we started way back in Boston, 32 years ago. He said, remember Electric Avenue? That's where we used to live. All the good times we used to have. And I said, yes. And he said, we've had a good life, haven't we? I said, that's right. I said, yes, we might have been hanging around a nightclub and things like that, but no. This is better. We can let go. Then he said quickly, without much emphasis, we'll be parted for a little while and then we'll be back. We'll be together again. But the delusion is so great that even when I wouldn't accept it, I knew my soul went just right back when he said it. Sure, the Lord keeps it covered up pretty well <laughs> with with little hints. Um, which in hindsight, he probably massive hints aren't they? But yeah. at the time, at the time, he's you know, kind of uh, just you think it's just a throwaway comment.
1: Yeah, Dr. Lewis is, of course, his very advanced disciple, and just, I think his first disciple in Boston that he had. And he lived with the Lewis's there, I think at Electric Avenue at that house. I had the privilege to go there. It's, it's um, owned by. Uh, a family i don't think they're devotees and i i was told that um i shouldn't knock on the door because it happens a lot to them that devotees go and... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was told explicitly to not do that so i didn't but i was outside the house and very very nice area of boston yeah
2: very appropriate name electric avenue
1: yeah it's
2: true. <laughs> what was going on there um, so I, I can continue continue reading. Um, so when when he said, "This is uh, Dr. Lewis speaking." When he said we'd be separated for uh, a little bit, but then together again. Then he said, "Right at that time, remember, I remember so distinctly. But remember, I'll be close to you when I'm out of this body that I have been in the body. So remember." There is the key. So let us not be depressed. Let us not feel bad. God is running the show. We are his children, and his infinite light is within us. In that light is the master and all great sins. There is nothing to fear except if we do not stay in that light and consciousness. That's all.
1: Beautiful.
0: No, no, it's just um, very beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, it it does address a little bit that, um, natural thing. I mean, those were all highly advanced yogis. So I feel like at some part of them knew that this was happening and that it would be okay, but they still, they played their role as humans and, and yeah. grieved and, or were going to grieve, but He said it so beautifully. He says, we'll be apart for a short while and then back together. And that's the promise that that it goes for all of us, right? That we will be with Guruji at some point. I'll read the last bit. And so I feel better. A load has been lifted. I didn't know what the load was, with some physical trouble going with it. But the load was that coming events Cast their shadow, and the soul knows it. And so be of good cheer. The master is not away from us. He is with us more and more. So, so just to comment
2: on this uh, this passage that we're reading, it's taken from a website called uh, well, it's ocoy.org, and it's the original Christianity, original yoga.org. And then it's you're on this last day, so it's uh, a uh, um, transcript of uh, a talk given by Dr. Lewis in 1952, March 10th. Um, it's it's quite long, so we can link the uh, article for people who want to actually jump in and read it. But it does talk about his his own personal like this personal experience that uh, we've just read out. It does talk a little bit about um, what was going on in those last few days. And there's interesting uh, information in there that he's sharing, um, saying that uh, Yogananda's health, um, certainly uh, he was in a lot of pain. Um, he had taken on a lot of karma from uh, from many, many people. Um, and he specifically said uh, to Dr. Lewis that um, the condition was uh, of the karma that he'd taken on affected his legs and his heart. So he said that he'd taken on so much karma that there were many, many times where he couldn't move um, in, the, in his last days. But he was quite insistent on in taking on the karma. He was very conscious in doing that. Uh, Priyanka?
0: Yeah, I think when, when he was struggling to use his legs and he needed to get upstairs at Mother Centre, and then my the brother, and another the boy relates this that he was struggling, so they had to carry him. And and as they were carrying him, he obviously looked at them and smiled, and he said, "Um, you you carry my body, I'll carry your souls."
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Perfect. So yeah, there's
2: there's some really yeah great great uh, takes takes in there. So I'd encourage anybody to
1: give it a read if they have time. Super super nice. Yes. And I would say this wraps up this minute pretty well. We have minute 78 coming up where we will talk a bit more of the aftermath um, of his Mahasamadhi. And yeah, I want to thank you guys for being in a minute,
0: everyone for listening. Jai Guru. Jai Guru.